The Dodgers have made another sneaky good signing, and their $325 million ace made his live BP debut down at Camelback Ranch, and we're breaking it all down next here on Dodgers Dugout. It's time for Dodger Baseball. That's right, Dodgers have won it all in 2020. I don't care how many times this team rips my heart out, I'll never stop loving the Los Angeles Dodgers. Think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. What's going on, Dodgers Nation? Doug McCain here, credential member of Dodgers Media. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Now, if you haven't yet, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the number one Dodgers YouTube channel in the game. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Hit that like button. And also, if you want to be eligible for our next giveaway, which is a brand new Yoshinobu Yamamoto Dodgers jersey, all you have to do is two things. One, be subscribed to the channel. And two, comment Yamamania down below. I want all your takes. Also, give me your ERA prediction in year one for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And as always, I want your takes down below in the comments section. Today's Dodgers Nation question of the day. What are your thoughts on the signing of Justin Wilson? Do you think he could contribute? How about Gage? Do you think he could be something? Also, is Yoshinobu Yamamoto going to be able to stay healthy? Is he going to be durable enough? Let me know down below in the comments section. And for all latest Dodgers news, head over to DodgersNation.com. So it was another exciting day down at Camelback Ranch in Arizona because this morning, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the Dodgers' new $325 million ace, faced hitters in his first live BP in Dodger Blue, and he impressed. He was electric. You saw the full arsenal on display, the fastball, the curveball. He's someone that has elite stuff, and he particularly impressed his teammate, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman said after, that's some crazy stuff. I'm glad he's on our team. And the Dodgers' best hitters outside of Shohei Otani got a look at him. You had Freddie Freeman. You had Mookie Betts. And after the session, he got an ovation from his new Dodgers teammates. So you guys know how excited I am about Yamamoto. I think it's going to be a Yamamedia. If he can stay healthy, I think he has a really good chance to win the Rookie of the Year. And I think there is a chance he could win the Cy Young. I've talked to multiple scouts. Talk to my good friend Jose Moda, who is extremely familiar with Japanese players. He thinks there's a chance that he can be the best pitcher in the sport day one. It's just about can he stay healthy? Can he adjust? I definitely think that he can. But let's not forget that there's been a lot of great pitchers that have come from Japan. Darvish, Tanaka, Otani, the list goes on and on. Yamamoto was better than all of them in the NPB. He's coming off a season where he had a 121 ERA. If you saw him the WBC, he had a K per nine at almost 15. He has shown the ability to dominate hitters, to be amongst one of the best pitchers in the planet. I think that if he can stay healthy, he can absolutely accomplish a lot of big things for the Dodgers in year one. But let's not forget, they have him for 12 years, right? He does have those opt-outs around 29 if 
he wants to do that. But he's someone that's going to be in Dodger blue for a long time. And I think he's going to be a rock, a frontline starter for years to come. And it was just really exciting to see him down there for the first time against some of these Dodgers hitters. And they clearly were extremely impressed. But we're going to further break down the signing from yesterday because I think that's one of the most intriguing storylines for Dodgers spring training is these non-roster invitees. Which one of them will step up and seize the opportunity? Because not a lot of spots available, especially after the news that Dave Roberts said that they expect Blake Trinan and Daniel Hudson and J.P. Fireisen to be a part of that active roster to start the season. Guys that have missed significant time, guys that are coming back from injury, but the Dodgers, they're doing the prudent thing. They're doing the smart thing, and they're loading up with depth. And that was evidence once again yesterday when it was announced that they had signed Justin Wilson, left-handed reliever, to a minor league contract with an NRI. And if you look at Wilson, he's 36 years old. He has a decent amount of experience at the big league level. From 2013 to 2021, he pitched 458 two-thirds innings, had a 343 ERA, 132 saves, 18 holds. Unfortunately, he suffered an injury, had Tommy John surgery, and... In the last two seasons, he's pitches three and two-thirds innings. Now, you might remember this. It was a kind of a sad moment during last season when it looked like he was going to make his comeback, and he was in the Brewers' bullpen ready to be inserted in the game to make an appearance, but he was injured during warming up, and he wasn't able to make that appearance. And unfortunately for him, it's been a long road back, but he is someone that has had a good amount of success at this level, I mean, a 341 ERA, a 345 FIP in 11 seasons with the Pirates, the Yankees, the Tigers, the Cubs, the Mets, and the Rebs, 510 punches, 210 walks, I mean, 467 innings. So this is someone who is no stranger to having success at this level, to establishing himself as a legit big league reliever. It's just a matter of getting him fully healthy and seeing what the Dodgers can do with what he has at this stage of his career. Because he is a lefty, only strange thing, he's actually had more success against righties than lefties, a 641 OPS versus 672. So a 672 OPS versus lefties and a 641 OPS versus righties. That's how they have fared against him. And yeah, just to rewind a little bit, the Dodgers, if you look at the lefties, they don't have a surplus of lefties. I mean, you look at the entire 40-man roster, you have five lefties Two of those lefties are starters in James Paxton and Clayton Kershaw. One of them in Clayton Kershaw is not going to be back until July-ish or August-ish, according to him. Paxton is someone who is going to be used as a starter that's trying to make that active roster to start the season so we can get that $2 million bonus. And then you have Ryan Yarbrough, who is more of a swingman. You'll see him in a multi-inning relief role. And then behind him, you have TJ McFarland and you got Steven Gonsalves as non-roster invites that are probably going to be looked at as depth pieces and guys that you don't look at as big league roster guys at this point, but guys that you can use if you're in a break in case of emergency situation. But if you look at Wilson, if you look at his stuff, he's a four-seam cutter slider guy. We know how much the organization likes the use of that cutter. We saw what it did for Ryan Brazier's career and the velocity wise last season, a very short sample size, but he was able to get that velo back in 2022 
right? In 2022, the last time he pitched, he had a 95.1 mile per hour average on that four seam fastball. That was up from 93.6 miles per hour in 2021. So you're looking at someone that if the fastball command is there and the velocity is there, it's just a matter of having that cutter and that slider be able to maintain a certain level of effectiveness because opponents, they were rocking that cutter and slider the last time we saw him at the big league level. But when he's right, you were seeing someone throw about 50% fastball, 40% cutter, 8 9% sinker sometimes we've seen him go with the slider as well so it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do with his pitch mix because he's someone that he locates the four-seam fastball he's someone that can have success now someone that no one's talking about that i think deserves a little more conversation is matt gage now matt gage of course was included in the Dodgers trade of Caleb Ferguson to the New York Yankees. We broke down the Ferguson trade in depth. And basically what that came down to was from a financial standpoint, made sense from a option standpoint, it made all the sense in the world. Because Ferguson had five years of team of service time, so he couldn't be sent down to the minors without his okay. So the Dodgers, they wanted some roster flexibility. And with Gage, he has one option year remaining, so they could send him up, they could send him down as needed if they have a certain amount of injuries, if they suffer injuries, and that's something that they could do that we've seen in the past. Let's not forget last season you had 52 rookies make starts for the Dodgers. So on paper right now, everything feels good, but everything felt good a couple times before during this time. Anything can happen. Injuries are a big part of the game at this point, especially for starting pitchers. But if you look at Matt Gage, 6'3", 265 pounds, he's a lefty. He's pitched in the majors in the last two seasons. It's been a small sample size, but in 2022, he reached the show with the Blue Jays, who was then claimed off of waivers by the Strohs. Last February, he was DFA'd on January 22nd after the Astros signed Josh Hader. And if you look at how many teams he's played for, it's pretty wild because he's this is the seventh team. The Dodgers are a seventh MLB organization. He's been on four teams in the last 12 months. If you look at his entire career, he's been on 16 different teams, even teams outside of the big leagues, teams like the Diablos, Rojos of the Mexican League, the Mazlatan in the Mexican League, the Eastern in the Independent Constellation Energy League. So this is someone who has been resilient. He's persevered. He's continuing to pursue his dream, and he still has good enough stuff to pursue it, right? I mean, Gage is someone who, if you look in 2022, the Blue Jays and Astros, he pitched 19 and two-thirds innings, 16 relief appearances, had a 1-8-3 ERA, 20 punchies, nine free passes, and a 3-9-7 FIP in the last two years, and expected ERA at 3-0-3 in 2022, a 3-43 in 2023. So the ERA in the FIP and the ERA in the expected numbers, there is a disparity there. So he's probably a little closer to something in between that. But he is someone that I definitely think can contribute. I mean, if you look at the dominance that he's had against lefties, that's what really stands out. I mean, it was 27 plate appearances against lefties from 2022 to 2023, but he held them to two for 19 
with five walks, did hit a batter, but struck out almost a third of them. So he had a lot of strikeouts there. We had a lot of punch outs. And yes, it was a short sample size. But if you look at the Meyer League level, 134 plate appearances, opponents have slashed 143, 187, 222. And he's posted a 39.6% strikeout rate with just seven walks. So that's a high strikeout rate against lefties, a low walk rate. And that's very impressive. And you look against righties, if you can have success against righties and maintain success against lefties, this is someone who has a chance to contribute for this team this season. Because look, Ryan Brazier, most of you didn't know who he was this time last year. I mean, a lot of you did because of his time with Boston, but... He was not on your radar, right? He was still in Boston, and he struggled to start the season. Had an ERA north of seven. He got in the Dodgers' hands. They sprinkled that Dodgers pixie dust on him, and he was phenomenal through the rest of the way. So I think Gage is someone that can absolutely contribute. He's someone that I'm actually sneaky high on. If you look at his mix, very similar to Wilson. Four-seam, cutter, slider, sinker, average 94 miles per hour on the fastball, 87 on the cutter, 80.7 on the slider. And he talked about his effectiveness and what it takes for him to be effective with the Houston Chronicle a few years ago, where he said, it's the shape of Gage's fastball that's the key to its effectiveness. Gage said Thursday his fastball has kind of an invisible feel in which he generates significant vertical ride on the pitch. Gage said his fastball usually rises between 17 to 20 inches in games, though in workouts with Houston, Gage has already notched 23 inches on his vertical ride. So look for that vertical ride and that movement north and south. That's really the key to his success. But a very intriguing pickup, and I see what the Dodgers are trying to do. You don't need a lefty per se, right? Brazier dominated against lefties, especially after you learn the cutters. I mean, you look at Blake Trine. He's been dominant against Southpaw since you put on that Dodgers uniform. Phillips can get out lefties. Better against righties, but he can't get out lefties. Same with Bruce Dark Gratterall. But the Dodgers are loading up on guys that have some upside, that are Southpaws, that can provide depth at the minor league level. And then as soon as you need someone, you go down there, pick him up, and hopefully he's learned all the tricks that the Dodgers have been able to teach them. They've made the mechanical adjustments. They've studied the analytics. You're looking at release points and attack plans and what pitches to use during certain spots. And it's an entire process. We've seen it play out so many different times that if you still have the velocity and the spin and your stuff is consistent and it's not a massive drop-off like Noah Syndergaard, right? We lived through the Noah Syndergaard era. We know what that means. As long as you have your stuff that's at least somewhat close to where it was when you were a decent big leaguer, this team can take you from good to great, from great to elite, from bad to average, right? Sometimes you just want bad to average, and the Dodgers have proven they have the ability to do just that. But the big story in Dodgerland today, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, an electric bullpen session, and the Dodgers continue to make some tweaks, some moves on the margins. I think the big question is, Will they bite on the Kenley Jansen trade? You guys have heard me talk about that at nauseum. I've broken that down in so many different videos, but it does feel like maybe they do want a permanent closer, especially when you look at the veterans that they're going with that they think can come back. The Hudsons, the Trinans. I think Fire Eyes is someone that they're very high on. He was absolutely dominant 
He was one of the best relievers in the sport before he was injured a few seasons ago. But that's going to do for this episode of Dodgers Dugout Live. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on the X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. Now, if you haven't yet, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. For all the best Dodgers content in the game, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, hit that like button, and you know the drill. Comment Yamamedia down below so you can be eligible to win a Yoshinobu Yamamoto Dodgers jersey. Enjoy your weekend. I'm going to be going to spring training on Monday. So we were going to be doing lives. We're going to be doing interviews. So follow the coverage all next week. We'll be down at Camelback Ranch, and I'm going to be doing tons of stuff. So be on the lookout, guys. And as always, you know, I appreciate you. You guys are the reason why this channel is what it is. So make sure you guys enjoy your weekend. Remember, nothing brings us together quite like Dodger baseball. Until next time, think blue, bleed blue, and I'm out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.